fucking fun moment. We started. You ruined the fucking intro. <laughs> How this, much of that did we get? I got the bun mullet. <laughs> I had a bun mullet, guys. It's fine. Haley never tells me I have them. Nah. For those who don't know, a bun mullet is when, like, the bottom half of your hair, not even, has, like, escaped your bun. And you've just got, like, a rat tail yep. hanging out. And Haley so never you tells look me. Like, you and look, it's, like, halfway down my back. You look like a uh, typical white girl in the front, and I need to see a manager in the back. No, I look like I look like... I want to fuck my cousin in the back. Well, yeah, it's not a good look. Let's get beyond this now. Let's, anyway. Hey, guys, this is crime culture. Is it? Yep, and I'm Haley. Oh, I'm in the wrong place. All right. No, I'm Bye. Caitlin. Just kidding. Just um, kidding. I'm Caitlin. Okay, so there's no other way to say this. This one's a rough one. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a trigger warning this whole episode. If you can't do, like, the gore and all that other stuff, like, don't do it. This is, uh... It has to do with, um, she's 16, so she is a child. Um, this has to do with child torture and murder. Right. It's, it's, a, it's If a you're uncomfortable thing. with it, I would say get off skip now, because it. it doesn't get better than that description. No, it, like. It gets rough. Like, you can skip to probably, like, the last, like, minute or two of the episode, because I'm sure we've got plenty of cute things to say after the fact that. Well, um. But, like. No, there's nothing cute about this one. This one, no, this one no, sucks. No, no, but I feel like we're going to need to, like, bring it back up. Yeah, this one sucks. Yeah. Um, it's about Sylvia Likens. Yep. And her... And you don't know the name, maybe, but you definitely know the story. Yeah, it's her uh, torture and murder. Um, the first thing I'm going to post when you go onto the website um, from this episode is just a picture of her. She is a fucking cutie. She's precious. She is adorable. Like, she look is. at this girl. She's adorbs. No, I've seen her. She I'm showing her the picture right now. She's a pretty girl. She's very cute. She's like a sweet little, like... Midwestern girl. Yes. Yeah, she's so adorable. Um, so, just to jump right into it, Sylvia Likens was born on January 3rd, 1949, to carnival worker parents, Lester Likens and Elizabeth. Um, she went by Betty Likens. Yep. Um, Sylvia was the third child and born between two sets of fraternal twins, which is kind of interesting. So, her um, older siblings, Diana and Danny, were two years older, and her younger siblings, Jenny and Benny, were one year younger. And her little sister, Jenny, who would also end up at this house with her, was um, disabled with a limp from polio, and it made her really shy and insecure. And um, Sylvia and Jenny were, were very, very close. Sylvia was outwardly more confident, and she went by the nickname Cookie. Aww. Yeah, she was really cutie. And I have a friend named Cookie. She goes really? by Cookie, and she's adorable. That's a She's really precious. Um, she was pretty and always kept her mouth closed because when she smiled, she was mithi- missing a front tooth, so it kind of made her self-conscious. Oh, baby. Um, and her Just favorite... Just stick a chiclet in there. Yeah. Her favorite band was the Beatles. I did not know that. Yeah. Aww. That was a cute little fact about her. I tried to find more information Aww, about her and tried to steer away from um, the people that did yeah, this to her, her because it's more important to talk about her because she True. was... Yeah. A cute little 16-year-old girl. And she was really... She was great. Yeah, and she was put into a really bad situation. Right. So, Sylvia's parents, their marriage was really unstable, and they moved frequently, and they had a lot of financial difficulties, because they worked to the fucking carnival. Right. <laughs> right. As, you're as, carnies, you're, you're not I was making, gonna say, if you're a carny, you don't exactly, like, not, scream stability. Yeah, and you're not raking in the money. No, by no means. Yeah. 
and Sylvia and Jenny were often boarded out or forced to live with relatives, such as their grandmother, right? so that their schoolwork wouldn't suffer while their parents were on the road. And to earn money, Sylvia babysat and she ironed the same kind of work that was done by um, the woman who would ultimately torture her, Gertrude Beneshevsky. Love that name. Yeah. It's spelled a little weird, so I Gertie. did have to spell it out phonetically as I got the, the pronunciation from um, a news report. So mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that's how you say the last name, Banashevsky. Uh, but if I'm wrong, if you're a Banashevsky, let, let us know. There's still some out there. So we'll talk about what Sorry happened about to them that. afterwards. Sorry about that. So oh, don't don't let us know. Please don't contact us. Yeah. So in July of 1965, Sylvia and Jenny were living with their mother. Mother. Their mother. They were living their with mother? their mother, Betty. They're living with their mother. Um, in Indianapolis, Indiana, and during that time, Betty was arrested and jailed for shoplifting. Lester, Good. who had recently separated from his wife, arranged for his daughters to board to board with Gertrude Banaszewski. And she was the mother of the girl's new friend, Paula, who was 17. Paula had six siblings, Stephanie, who was 15, John Jr., 12, Marie, 11, Shirley, uh, 10, James, 8, and a few months old, Dennis Lee Wright. She, other than the surprise baby at the end, she had a kid almost every freaking year. Yeah. That's a lot of children. Like every other year, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough. And, um... During her early time with the Banaszewski family, Sylvia would sing with the second oldest daughter, Stephanie. And uh, since she had a tiny income, Gertrude sometimes took in children for the summer to earn extra money. So this was just something that did. She's like, I got six of them. I got seven kids already. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Just add some more. Yeah. I mean, once you get to like four or five, you kind of just stop yeah. counting. Clearly, she's not taking care of them. Like, as you'll hear, she's not taking oh, care of them clearly to not. start with. So it doesn't fucking matter. And although the Banaszewskis were poor, Lester, quote, didn't pry into the condition of the house. Uh, this is what yeah, he Yeah, repl- I mean, it's not like you're, I don't know, sticking your fucking daughters there or anything. Yeah, right? It, you're, yeah, two of your, your two children are staying there. But you don't want to pry at, yeah. and find out, like, what their living no. conditions are going to nope. be like. That's normal. Yeah, he said, he said this at the trial. Um, and he encouraged Gertrude to, quote, straighten his daughters out. I'm sure he didn't know what he was getting into at the I'm time. I'm sure, uh, like, I'm sure he also didn't know that, like... She would take him so literally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So... Like, my parents will be like, oh, yeah, like, straighten the kids out, you see? And it's just like, okay, like, make sure they don't tear the house down. Yeah, but didn't mean, uh, literally torture her. Yes. So, um, he also recalls that the, the trial, quote, we got to talking and she said she would take care of the children and treat them like her own. Uh, Lester apparently believed her because during several subsequent trips to the house, the last on October 5th, that was just weeks before his daughter's death, um, he noticed nothing out of order. Um, not that there was much to see, considering the only portions of the Banaszewski house that he ever entered were the living room and once the kitchen. Oh. Yeah. Lester nice. had Lester had agreed to pay Gertrude $20 a week in exchange for the care of Sylvia and Jenny. I don't know what the exchange rate for that was, but, yeah. like, Gertrude just needed a little bit of extra money. She got some extra cash out of it. Yeah. So, the living situation was rocky from the start. Sylvia was not as meek and submissive as her disabled sister, and there was little tolerance for answering back in the house. Sylvia and Jenny were definitely not spoiled by the food that was offered at the Banaszewski's. Oh, that's like, that's like the opposite. Yeah. Uh, it was a very cluttered and dirty home. They were given just a few slices of toast in the morning and a bowl of soup for dinner. Um, some 
Writers, mindful of the harsh treatment which followed, have suggested that the girls were being singled out for some kind of starvation diet by their hosts. Mm-hmm. However, the sparse menu wasn't reserved for them alone. None of the Banishevsky family were eating very well because they were poor, and there was only a, a hot plate to cook on. Yeah. And um, sandwiches and soup were tended to make up most of their meals. Mm-hmm. So they weren't really being singled out and tortured in that way, that they just weren't getting fed. That was kind of what everyone was dealing with. Yeah. When um, you've got, like, a million kids, like, well, everybody's She has seven eat. of her own, yes. adding these two. Yes. Like, and she, has, she is to eat. And she's working for herself. She doesn't have a husband. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's Yeah. Because she had, she had the first husband that she had most of the kids with, and then Dennis Lee Wright Jr. was another man's right. uh, child. And, um, Dennis th- Lee Wright. Yeah. So then, um, I think they were, they were gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, divorced at that point. So, at the end of the first week, when the $20 for their board failed to arrive, both girls were dragged into an upstairs room of the house and beaten cruelly. Yeah, because it's totally their fault. Yeah. How Gertrude dare they? Gertrude screamed as she hit the children that they were being housed and fed for nothing. Um, the money arrived the very next day. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. She couldn't have um, waited, like, a single yeah, day. Yeah, but uh, she had perhaps convinced herself that the girl's parents had cheated her out of proper payment. Gertrude's resentment bubbled over. Whenever she was in the same room as Sylvia or Jenny, the increasingly vicious foster mom verbally and physically abused them. Later at the trial, Gertrude admitted that she had hit them so hard that she had hurt her own hands. Oh my god. Yeah. Sylvia became the favorite target of regular punishments that revealed Gertrude's sadistic nature. I can tell you why. I've seen pictures of Gertrude. Ah, yeah. I've seen pictures of Sylvia. I... I'm trying to find a way to word it but i know somebody that may look similar to gertrude <gasps> in a way i'll tell you who later but oh, no. i saw the picture and i was like that kind of looks like this person she better the hell not mean me guys i'm <laughs> gonna be mad yeah i've only seen the pictures of her like at the trial and oof oofa like she very well i know it's kind of not a real thing to discriminate against pretty people but i feel like if it was gertrude would be doing exactly that yeah yep uh actually it says like later on somewhere in here that um gertrude was kind of jealous Jealous. of of sylvia's youth and yeah youth beauty the fact that she doesn't have nine fucking kids to feed yeah like she's she's got her whole future ahead of her yep well until yeah so um gertrude frequently would paddle Sylvia's bare buttocks with a rough wooden board and bare it cut buttocks. <laughs> bare buttocks. <laughs> and um uh yeah, it was a rough wooden board and it would cut into her flesh and it left scars. Ugh. That's okay, honey. No one's gonna care about yeah, what your guys, ass looks it, like. If you're uncomfortable with this, it really does not get better. I would highly recommend not listening anymore to this one. Oh, that's wait tr- for that next too. Tuesday. I thought you were telling listeners like it's okay like your butt's only gonna get worse and i was like yeah okay maybe no <laughs> no this podcast it, it gets uh yeah this is this is kind of like it gets really bad i'm gonna try to rush through a lot rough. of the things that happened to her but All right, um, i'm gonna keep a trash can by me yeah uh, it's it's it completes the case by saying what happened to her but um yeah right. it's, it's 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 super tough yeah we um, cannot stress enough. I don't want a single goddamn email saying that was too harsh. Because the amount of times I tried to trigger warn this. So many warnings. Yes, you <laughs> right. were warned. Yeah, so um, you were given a warning, and if you nevertheless persist, that's on you. Yeah. So 
Uh, Gertrude soon focused her abuse exclusively on Sylvia. Um, she accused her of stealing candy that she had bought and humiliated her when she admitted that she had had a boyfriend. Um, it was rumored that Gertrude's oldest daughter, Paula, disliked Sylvia from the start. She kicked Sylvia in the genitals and accused her of being pregnant, all the while Paula herself was pregnant. Um, later That's what does. Yeah, and later medical records prove that Sylvia was not pregnant and could not have been. Uh, Gertrude began allowing her older children to beat Sylvia and repeat- repeatedly push her down the stairs for entertainment. During church functions, Gertrude force-fed Sylvia a hot dog overloaded with condiments. When Sylvia vomited afterwards, after um, she was later forced to consume her vomit, uh, Gertrude also accused Sylvia of prostitution and delivered sermons about the filthiness of prostitutes and women in general. Sylvia was later accused of spreading rumors within Arsenal Technical High School, where she went to school, that Paula and Stephanie Beneshevsky were prostitutes. This supposedly provoked Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy Hubbard, to physically attack Sylvia. And Coy Hubbard's going to come back into this. Oh, yeah. Um, Later, he and several other classmates and local boys visited the Beneshevsky residence to assist Gertrude in abusing Sylvia. Gertrude encouraged Coy, her children, and the other neighborhood children to torment Sylvia, including, among other things, and this is where it gets bad. Yep. (sighs) This is all in the medical records, and it it sucks. Yeah. putting out lit cigarettes into her skin reportedly a hundred times, beating her, tying her up, forcing her to eat feces and drink urine, clubbing her with objects such as hairspray cans, dishes, bottles, violently throwing her body against walls several times as, quote, judo practice, burning all of her fingers with matches, mauling her vagina, Mm -hmm. lacerating her, burning her with scalding water, rubbing salt into her wounds, forcing her to strip naked and insert a glass Coca-Cola bottle into her vagina. So, um, the movie there's two movies about this that i'll talk about later that is uh that last one is a scene in at least one of them so trigger warning (laughs) yeah it's uh it's really bad so this is like it's rough um how could someone do this not just to another human and you know what i i and it's children doing it to children it's neighborhood kids doing this it's just and this is (sighs) one of the most fucked up cases i've ever heard i mean like you know i'm one of the first ones to say that children are definitely capable of doing terrible things we're gonna do we're gonna do a whole episode of of children like children no but i'm just saying like children in general are the cruelest out there yes as opposed to adults because they they're still learning about empathy yeah and they just they and the like, buttons that they can push and the, yes. the level the, the yes the places they can go to get away with something yes i mean it's just it's the, but here's an adult saying yes you can do this this is fine yes you can and do like, this turning it into fun little things like judo yeah. practice yep they threw her against walls i know yeah so paula Poor once sylvia. beat sylvia in the face with such force that she broke her own wrist yep yeah honestly good yeah, she later Fuck had to. Her. She later had to wear a cast, which she used to further beat Sylvia. Right. She didn't learn. So she broke her own hand and was like, "Fuck, I'm still doing this." Yeah. Yeah. Gertrude even forced Jenny to hit her, beating her if she didn't comply. So her own little sister, her disabled yeah, and little how sister. Traumatic that must have been. Yeah, her disabled. But Jenny comes out to be. Oh, Jenny comes out to be a fucking winner. Yeah. Stay she tuned, co- folks. She comes out to be on top in this. So. um... 
Sylvia was often deprived of water, and Jenny later speculated during her court testimony that Sylvia was unable to produce tears due to dehydration. So this poor girl, she couldn't even cry for herself because she couldn't even produce tears. Right. Um, Meanwhile, Raymond and Phyllis Vermillion, a middle-aged couple who had moved next door, saw Gertrude to be an ideal caretaker for their... for the two children. They were also blind, guys. Yeah. Wait until you hear what happened. They visited the Banishevsky residence on two occasions where they witnessed Paula, with Gertrude's approval, abusing Sylvia in front of them. The Vermillions refused to report the abuse to the authorities on fear out of both uh, occasions that they saw it. They could have stopped this they in the very beginning. That's just And they did fucking nothing. That's... If you see something, vile. say something, guys. Yeah, seriously. It's not just fucking backpacks on the subway, guys. Yeah. So, um, Gertrude eventually forbids Sylvia from attending school after she had confessed that she had stolen a gym suit from the school when Gertrude would not buy a gym suit for her. And Sylvia was physically assaulted by Gertrude for this. Um, Sylvia eventually became incontinent due to the severity of the torture. She was denied access to the bathroom and thus was forced to urinate herself. As punishment for her incontinence, Gertrude threw and locked her in the basement. And, um, this is where most of the torture torture yeah, happened occurs. Uh, yeah in in this basement she's not even given a fucking room she's no. just put in the basement and and has to lay on the floor yeah yeah so throughout her captivity gertrude frequently with the assistance of the children and their friends restrained sylvia in a bathtub filled with scalding water and rubbed salt into the burns like i had mentioned yep, before yeah um she was often kept naked and rarely fed at times, Gertrude and the 12-year-old John Jr. would make Sylvia eat her own feces as well as urine and feces from the diaper of Gertrude's one-year-old son. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, did I have to oh. say that this is a 12-year-old doing yeah. this with yeah. his mother? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she also made abusing Sylvia a pastime, charging the neighborhood children five cents to see the, quote, display of Sylvia's naked body and oh. beat, burn, and mutilate her. Uh, Natty Bumpy... Bump, bumpo natty bumpo bumpo yeah yeah uh he was a former indianapolis star reporter who covered Very the well case known. yeah yeah he had said quote a lot of people have compared this to lord of the flies but that was just a bunch of uncontrolled children in this case they had an adult supervising what they were doing it wasn't children going wild it was children doing what they were told yeah that is uh lord and of the flies never, is, a, is definitely a it's a fucked up book and they're never those kids that are going all Lord of the Flies on yeah. Sylvia, they are getting fucked up in and of themselves. Like, they're never going to be able they, to, they're, like, they're be normal. They're blurring the lines of what's right is wrong. They, they're they starting not to understand yeah, what is right They're and wrong. never going to have, like, a, a functional life in this yeah. sense. So, uh, Sylvia had made several attempts to alert the neighbors by hitting the walls of the basement with a spade. Ultimately, obviously, to right, no avail. Right, right. Uh, the Lycan sisters had no way to contact family members to inform them of the abuse. Jenny especially struggled to do this since she was constantly threatened by Gertrude that she would be abused and tortured next, just like her sister. And, like, that's that's a thing. Like, and so, and that's the worst part because she she's doing this all out of fear and out of self-preservation. Like, she's doing this to survive. She's not doing this to... She's a 14-year-old yes. girl. Like, you can't say that, like... She she should have done this. She should have done. She's fourteen. Yeah, she's fourteen. What were you doing when you were fourteen? Yeah, exactly. Um, she's just scared for her life at this point. Exactly. She's trying to survive. Yeah, 
Um, she was also bullied by the neighborhood girls and beaten whenever she alluded to Sylvia's situation. So she couldn't even bring it up. She couldn't. She was, no, she was getting beat. Because then they lose out on their fun. Gertrude loses out on her $100 a week. 20 $20 a week. My bad. My bad. D- um, for fucking $20 a week. Yeah. And it just... Yeah. yeah um, early fucked. that summer, they saw their older sister, Diana, a couple of times in a local park. Diana was 18 years old at the time, married and estranged from the rest of the family. Her parents had forbidden contact between the two of them. And when her sisters finally had the chance to tell Diana about the punishments that they were receiving, she assumed that uh, seeing her was the reason why. They wished that they could all live together, but at the time, they did not know that they lived half less than half a mile apart from each other. Ugh. Diana eventually learned that Sylvia and Jenny were staying at a home which was not with their parents and she attempted to visit them she did not know the woman who answered the door but later learned it was gertrude banishevsky gertrude told that told her that the girls were not allowed to see her and ordered diana off the property at one point diana secretly gave a starving sylvia a sandwich sylvia remained silent about the matter but after 11 year old marie banishevsky revealed it paula and gertrude proceeded to choke her paddle her and subject her to another scalding bath awful yeah Uh, Shortly after, a neighbor made an anonymous report which prompted an in-home visit by the public health nurse. The nurse entered the home, asked questions, and had no choice but to leave without further investigation. She told Gertrude the report was about Sylvia. Gertrude replied that she had kicked Sylvia out of the house and her whereabouts were unknown. The nurse had no way of knowing that the subject of the inquiry was right below her in the basement. Right. On October 22nd, Sylvia was forced by John Jr. to eat a bowl of soup with her fingers. John Jr. quickly took the bowl away when Sylvia attempted to eat it. Uh, Gertrude eventually allowed her to sleep upstairs under the condition that she learned not to, quote, wet herself. Yep. That night, Sylvia whispered to Jenny to give her a glass of water before falling asleep. On October 23rd, Gertrude discovered that Sylvia had urinated herself and punished her by forcing her to insert an empty glass coca-cola bottle into her vagina after that she stripped sylvia naked and carved the words i'm a prostitute and proud of it onto sylvia's stomach with a heated needle how many letters that is yeah well um gertrude was unable to finish the branding and she had a neighbor boy ricky hobbs finish it for her ricky continued to brand sylvia as gertrude calmly took jenny to the grocery store Ricky and 10-year-old Shirley Beneshevsky then used an iron poker in an attempt to burn the letter S into Sylvia's chest. The burn scar ended up looking like the number three because they're fucking idiots. (laughs) Uh, Gertrude later taunted Sylvia about how she would never be able to marry a man due to the words carved into her stomach. Mm. Sylvia was taken back to the basement where Coy Hubbard arrived to tie her up and slam her body against the walls six to seven times. That night, uh, Sylvia confided to her sister, quote, I'm going to die. I can tell awful yeah 16 years old this kid right um the next day gertrude woke sylvia then dictated a letter to her intending to mislead her parents into believing that she had run away the letter also tried to frame a group of anonymous boys for abusing and mutilating sylvia after she supposedly uh, agreed to have sex with them right after sylvia finished the letter gertrude formulated a plan to have john jr and jenny take sylvia to a nearby uh forested area and leave her to die on october 25th Sylvia tried to escape after overhearing Gertrude's plan to blindfold her and dump her body in Jimmy's forest, which was a wooded area nearby. Right. Uh, Sylvia fled the front door, but due to her extensive injuries, Gertrude caught her in time. Uh, Sylvia was 
provided with toast but unable to eat it due to her severe dehydration Mm -hmm. and gertrude shoved the toast into her mouth struck her face several times with a curtain rod and she violently threw sylvia into the basement with the assistance of coy hubbard she tied and bludgeoned her until she was unconscious sylvia managed to recover but was unable to speak intelligibly and move her limbs properly sylvia tried to exit the basement but collapsed before she could make it to the stairs gertrude crushed her head with her feet and stood there for several moments on October 26, after multiple beatings, burnings, scaldings, uh, Sylvia died of a brain hemorrhage, shock, and malnutrition at the age of 16. Awful. Yeah. So, when Stephanie Beneshevsky and Ricky Hobbs realized that Sylvia was not breathing, Stephanie tried to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Gertrude, however, shouted at them that Sylvia was, quote, faking it. Yeah, when she course. realized that Sylvia was dead, Gertrude sent Ricky to call the police from a nearby payphone. The police were... Um, were at the Beneshevsky house and she provided the letter that she had forced Sylvia to write stating that Sylvia had returned to the house after a sex session with some boys. Uh-huh. According to her version of the events, the gang had followed Sylvia back into the house, mutilated her, and then killed her. Gertrude said that she had found the girl dead in the basement. Right. When sure. the police arrived, Gertrude said that she had told them Sylvia had been an uncontrollable and promiscuous tear and oh, uh, yeah. oh, handed yeah. them the letter. Um... Where am I? Yeah, she had neglected. um, She neglected to say that her offspring had been primed with the same bogus tail before the police were called. When investigating officer Melvin Dixon came to the house, all the children, including Jenny, repeated Gertrude's story word for word. Officer Dixon was understandably shocked by Sylvia's bruised and battered body. He took down details and accounts offering the um, offered by the Banaszewski family, Mm -hmm. and. Um, was about to leave when Jenny managed to whisper to him, get me out of here and I'll tell you the whole story. Good for you, girl. Yeah, she finally was able to find a moment to speak up for herself. Right. Thank um, God, too. Yes. Oh, yeah, thank God. This thing would have never been solved yep. if she hadn't done this. Yep. Um, her statement, combined with the discovery of Sylvia's body, prompted the officers to arrest Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, and John Jr., Ricky Hobbs, and Coy Hubbard for the murder. Good. Other right, na- bitches. Yeah. Other neighborhood children present at the time, Mike Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Annie Sisko, were also arrested for injury to a person. So that's the whole events. That sucked. That was, that was brutal. That was, that, Um, yeah, that sucked. But in, in a little bit of light of redemption, they get what they deserve in the end. So about the whole trial... Gertrude, her children, Ricky, and Coy were all held without bail pending their trials. An examination and autopsy of Sylvia's body revealed numerous burns, bruises, muscle, and nerve damage. All of her fingernails were broken backwards, and most of the skin's outer layer had peeled off, probably due to the the hot baths that they had given her. Her severely mutilated body led authorities to initially believe it was the work of, um, quote, an anonymous madman. In her death throes, Sylvia bit through her lips, partially severing each of them. Her vaginal cavity was nearly swollen shut, though an examination of the canal determined that her hymen was still intact, which means she was never fucking pregnant. Right. And could have never been. Nope. Um, yeah, the official cause of death was brain swelling, internal hemorrhaging of the brain, and shock from severe and prolonged damage to her skin. So, uh, she was suffering clearly 
for a very long time she didn't get right. to she didn't even get to die quickly no it was over it was a, a prolonged period. death and she knew it was going to take a long time yeah yeah so the um the trial was highly publicized and gertrude denied being responsible for sylvia's death the entire time she pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity she claimed that she was too distracted by her ill health and depression to control her children oh yeah fucking right okay yeah. sure, then why well. would you accept two more children into exactly. your house if Do you, you think knew that's you, gonna make it better yeah if you knew you couldn't control your own children no 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 yeah that's not a fucking excuse no 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 um attorney natty bumpio said bump <laughs> fuck natty bumpo said of gertrude quote i never thought she was insane i thought she was downtrodden mean woman end quote four minors who took part in the abuse of sylvia's was also put on trial they were paula beneshevsky john beneshevsky ricky hobbs and coy hubbard um they were between the ages of 13 and 17 uh, the attorneys for the minors claimed that they had been pressured by Gertrude. When Gertrude's 11-year-old daughter Marie was called to the stand as a witness for the defense, she broke down and admitted that she had been forced to heat the needle with which Ricky had carved into Sylvia's skin. Ugh. She also testified that she had seen her mother beating Sylvia and forcing her into the basement. Now, they have online um, the full transcripts of every single person from the trial. Oh, wow. And I actually read through a bunch of Marie's transcripts. Right, testimony. Yeah, an eleven-year-old on trial. Yeah, is fucked up because she, she was she was interviewed, I believe, twice. And the first one, she's like, "Nope, my mom never did anything. Yeah, she never did anything. I never saw anybody hurt Sylvia. Everyone was very nice to Sylvia. So, uh, oh, Sylvia she was, was well trained. Yes. And then, um, uh, for the first part of the second interview, she kind of kept going along with her story. There was like I forget which which question it was, but there was just a moment where she flipped i believe it was i believe the attorney that was interviewing her said you know um everything you say on the stand has to be true and if it's not true you get in trouble you get in big trouble and i think that's when she flipped and was like actually i did see all this there's pictures (laughs) it was like i forgot it's like a little kid no there's actually pictures of her on on the stand like crying because she she broke down on the stand and ended up giving everything up because everybody else was still going along with the story that sylvia was very promiscuous and that she was all over the place and uncontrollable and Mm -hmm. finally this little 11 year old was like no this is the real story right um in the closing statements gertrude's lawyer said quote i condemn her for being a murderess but I say she's not responsible because she's not all here, end quote. He tapped his head to make a point about her state of mind. On May 19th, 1966, Gertrude Banaszewski was convicted of first-degree murder. She was spared the death penalty and was sentenced to life imprisonment. Paula Banaszewski, who had given birth to a daughter during the trial, was convicted of second-degree murder. She was also sentenced to life imprisonment. And she named her daughter Gertrude after her fucking mother. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so the the child I believe was taken away from her and put up for adoption. Yeah. Don't know if it kept that same name after uh it was after the child was adopted. Mm-hmm. Ricky Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Banaszewski Jr. were all convicted of manslaughter and given 2 to 21 year prison sentences. So wow. this is the aftermath where we find out 
uh yeah how what? everyone got where are they now yeah and how everyone got their comeuppance children you can remove this. your earmuffs now yeah um come on back yep ricky coy and john jr each served two years in a reformatory before being paroled in 1968. Mm -hmm. In 1971, Gertrude and Paula were granted another trial by the Indiana Supreme Court, largely for reasons of a prudential atmosphere due to heavy news media publicity during the first trial. Paula pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and was released from prison one year later. Gertrude, however, was again convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Over the course of the next 14 years, Gertrude became a model prisoner at the Indiana Women's Prison, oh, how working in the sewing shop and becoming a, quote, den mother to young female inmates. Yeah, they, that seems like a good idea. Yeah, right? She was such a great mom the first time. Right? By the oh. time she came up for parole in 1985, she was known by the prison nickname Mom. Ugh. I know. Don't you want to fucking kill her? That's gross. That's just, no. Yeah. Thank, thank you, but no. Yeah. The news of... of Gertrude's parole hearing sent shockwaves to the Indiana community. Jenny and the rest of the Likens family appeared on television to speak out against Gertrude. The members of two anti-crime groups, Protect the Innocent and the Society's League Against Molestation, traveled to Indiana to oppose her parole and support the Likens family, beginning a sidewalk picket campaign. Over the course of two months, the groups collected over 40,000 signatures from the citizens of Indiana, including those who were too young to remember the case, demanding that Gertrude be kept behind bars. Despite the efforts, Gertrude was granted parole. During the hearing, she stated, quote, I'm not sure what role I had in it because I was on drugs. Oh, I never really please. knew her. I take full responsibility for whatever happened to Sylvia, end quote. Yeah, because you said, like, I take full responsibility, but I have no clue what happened. So, the parole board, taking her good behavior in prison into account, voted in favor of granting Gertrude's freedom 3-2. to two. She was released from prison on December 4th, 1985. She traveled Awful. to Iowa, where she called herself Nadine Van Fossen, using her middle name and her maiden name. Please. She lived in obscurity until her death in Laurel, Iowa, where she died from lung cancer on June 16th, 1990, at the age of 60 years old. Though she gave many interviews to writers and journalists from behind bars she never expressed any genuine remorse nor did she ever come close to offering any explanation for her bizarre and cruel acts to those who sought to discover her reasons gertrude would say quote i had to teach her a lesson hmm. the publicity of gertrude's parole had been credited by some with indiana changing its parole policy to include more input from the public so that is a little bit of a change that yeah. it that this case got from it I mean, that society got from this case, that um, they they changed the way they parole people. Yeah. Because 40,000 people said, hey, don't let this bitch out. Yeah. And, and they were like, yeah, do it. Yeah. So now they take public interest into more account before they parole people. Right. Which is, is I mean, I think would be... Uh, obvious <laughs> i don't yeah. know why it would take them so long to do that but no. whatever when jenny likens who was married and living in beach grove indiana saw gertrude's obituary in the newspaper she clipped it out and mailed it to her mother with a note saying quote some good news damn old gertrude died ha 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 i'm happy about that 
<laughs> Jenny that's, Wilkins. That's actually that's that's not funny, but it's kind of yes. adorable at the same time. Jenny Likens Wade died of a heart attack on June twenty third, two thousand four. She was fifty four years old. Ricky Hobbs died of cancer on January second, nineteen seventy two, at the age of twenty one, four years after being released from a reformatory. John Banaszewski Jr., by then calling himself John Blake, drifted aimlessly before experiencing a religious epiphany that he said helped him see the error of his ways. Allegedly, he was the only member of the Banaszewski clan to show public remorse for his deeds. He made no attempt to hide his past and even spoke about it publicly on occasion. Reportedly a lay minister and real estate agent with a wife and three children, he died of... I had conflicting reports. I saw one person say cancer and one person say diabetes. Either one is good. He died. He died. That's in 2005 matters, at the age of 52. Bye! In a masterpiece of an understatement, he once told a reporter that, quote... My mom was a very selfish, self-centered woman. Oh, that is a that is an understatement. Yeah. That's all? That's it? Yep, that's, that's, that's it, it for John. That's all you're going to say? Uh, Coy Hubbard never changed his name and reportedly remained in the Indianapolis area for most of his adult life. He was tried for another murder in 1982, but was acquitted. He also reportedly lost his job in 2007 when the movie An American Crime about the Sylvia Likens case was debuted. He died of a heart attack on June 23rd, 2007, age 56, in Shelbyville, Indiana. He had a wife and five children, 17 grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. Don't know why or how that could be. Yeah. But fine. Um, Rest in pieces, Coy Hubbard. You will not be missed. He died on the same day, a couple years after Jenny Likens. Oh, that's interesting. Right? June 23rd. I just saw that. One went to heaven, one went to hell. Yep. Paula Beneshevsky, the eldest of the... Gertrude's seven children received a prison sentence twenty of uh, sorry of twenty years to life for her part in Sylvia's death. Her baby daughter, like I said, Gertrude, who she gave birth to when she was incarcerated, was later adopted. In 1971, she tried twice uh, unsuccessfully to escape from prison. In 1972, she was paroled and assumed a new identity. She eventually married, had two children, and reportedly lives in a small town in Iowa today. Huh. She worked as an aide to a school counselor for I did 14 hear about years. This. Yeah. Yep. At a Beeman Conrad Liscomb Union Witten school district in Iowa. That's a mouthful. There's a couple of them. Uh, she changed her name to Paula Pace and lied to the school district when applying for the job. She was fired in 2012 when the school discovered who she was. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, fuck this bitch. Yep. Uh, the murder charge against Gertrude Beneshevsky's second eldest daughter, Stephanie, who was 15 at the time, was dropped after she turned state's evidence against the older defendants. She assumed a new name, became a school teacher, and got married and had several children. Yep. Um, the injury to person charges against the younger juveniles, Anna Ruth Sisko, Judy Darlene Duke, Michael John Monroe, Darlene McGuire, and Randy Gordon Lepper were dropped. Sisko married and had um, children and grandchildren. She died on October 23rd, 1996, at the age of 44. Leper died on November 14th, 2010, in Indianapolis, at the age of 56. I don't really have information on all the others. Yeah. Um, in... Oh, yeah, this was a... This was a weird one. On May 10th, 2015, Sylvia's older sister, Diana, um, who was then by go- going by the name Diana Bedwell, um, and her husband, Cecil Knutson... 
I think that's how you say his name. That's an unfortunate they, name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were reported missing by their son, Robert Acosta. Diana and Cecil have been gambling at the Valley View Casino in Valley Center, California. Surveillance video recorded the couple leaving the casino about 2 p.m. by their car, but it did not show, um, but they never showed up at their son's house in La Quinta. Uh, Robert contacted the police and appeared on television asking the public's help in finding his parents. On May 25th, 2015, the couple was found in a mountainous area of an in- Indian, um, Indian reservation by members of a volunteer Jeep patrol. Cecil was dead and Diana was severely dehydrated after surviving on just rainwater and some food. Diana was airlifted to a hospital in serious condition. She told investigators that they were looking for a shortcut when they got lost and became stuck on a rugged road. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big thing in the news when right. when it had happened. They're like, the sister of the girl that was tortured and murdered is now missing. Yeah. In a weird Funny coincidence. Funny how that works out. Yeah, that poor family. Um, the house where everything happened was located at 3850 East New York Street. Ugh. Um, in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Did they it, level it? Yeah. It Good. stood vacant and run down for many years after the murder. And although there was some discussion of purchasing it for renovation and using it as a women's shelter, which would have been pretty nice, um, the necessary funds were never raised. So the house was demolished on April 23rd, 2009. That's and the, too bad. Yeah. And the property is now a church parking lot. Not that, not that, like, obviously, like, it's good that they leveled it, but, like, I would have loved if that if house had, turned yeah, into the Sylvia Likens women's shelter yes, or something like that. that would have been great. That would have been a very mm-hmm. nice piece of retribution. Yeah. And something that, oh, God, I would make so many donations in Gertrude Banaszewski's name and have them send thank yous. Right. Just pepper her with thank yous. Yes. Um, a six-foot-tall block of granite was dedicated in June 2001 as a memorial to Sylvia in Willard Park at 1700 East Washington Street. The dedication was attended by several hundred people. Wow. Yeah. That's, and it, that's, I have yeah. a picture of, of the memorial itself, and I'm going to put it up on the website because okay. it, it's really nice. It's really pretty. They use the picture that they use in all the articles mm-hmm. that I have of her, and she's just a, such a cute little sweetie. Um, so there were actually a couple movies and books yeah about the case so the first one i'm going to talk about is the girl next door and it was based off mm-hmm. of a book by jack ketchum i think his name is okay and this is the roughest one mm-hmm. and they they took some liberties with this one they changed the names that's the, uh, um i think that i think they're the same names as the book but different Names than than the Banashevskys yes. and the Likenses. So Sylvia Likens, uh, her name was changed to Meg Log, Log- Logan L O U G H L I N Log Logan I don't know how to say I don't it. Know. Uh, Jenny was her name was changed to Susan and Gertrude's name was changed to Ruth Chandler. It got sixty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes and audience score of sixty two. Meh. Stephen King really liked the movie. He oh. said. Um, the first authentically shocking American film I've seen since Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer over 20 years ago. If you are easily disturbed, you should not watch this movie. If, on the other hand, you are prepared for a long look into hell, suburban style, uh, The Girl Next Door will not disappoint. This is the Dark Side of the Moon version of Stand By Me. Damn. Yeah. So he really liked this movie. Neil Genslinger of the New York Times thought otherwise. He said in his review... 
quote, if you're going to make a film as repellent as Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door, you better make sure that um, your redeeming reasons for doing so are crystal clear. Gregory M. Wilson, the film's director, either does not have any such reasons or doesn't know how to convey them, which means that he has made the kind of movie that makes you wish you could rinse your brain in bleach to watch tra- to wash all Ooh. traces of it from your memory. Damn. He fucking hated this movie. It's a fucking rough one. Oh, yeah. No, I don't blame him. Yeah. So it's very similar to uh, Jack Ketchum's book mm-hmm. uh, in the things that they changed. So um, it's told through the eyes of this kid, David, who uh, is a made-up kid that mm-hmm. had a childhood crush on the uh, oh, Sylvia character. Oh. And it's told as a flashback. Oh. Um, Jack Ketchum, who was the author of the book that the movie is based on, actually played a carnival worker in the movie. Oh. And just a tiny interesting fact, Mark Margolis, who played Tio Salamanca in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he also played a bunch of other things. But I was going to say, yeah. That was, that was the, the TV show that I recognized him okay. from. He plays the hit and run victim in the scenes, uh, in the film's opening scene. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, very weird. Uh, so similarities know. to the case um, with this movie is that the Jenny character is disabled, but I don't think it was polio. Okay. Um, the Gertrude character accuses the Sylvia character of being a whore and gives her misogynistic le- um, lectures. lectures. Yeah. Uh. Um, the neighborhood kids all take turns in joining in with the abuse, and the Sylvia character gets branded with a hot instrument. Ugh. The overall torture is is very Pretty similar spot to the on, case. Yeah. The differences of the case is it's much more sexualized. There's a lot oh, of um, no. I think there's like a a rape in it. Oh no. Yeah. Um, there's no mention of the Diana sister. Um, the, so then they've got, like, no way out in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the kid David, who has the, the crush on the Sylvia right. character, she un- uh, he goes and unties her and tells her to run. And she's later caught. Um, and she uh, she's later caught because she's trying to take um, the Jenny character with her. Her little sister. Oh, no. So, uh, David lights a fire in the basement to get someone's attention to save Meg. Then David kills um, the Gertrude character with the Jenny character's crutches. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's a... That's a turn. Yeah. And um, the Gertrude character's son attempts to kill David, but is then arrested. So, um, other differences is that... Um, Hold on. The movie takes place in New Jersey in the 50s. And in real life, it was in Indiana, obviously, in the 60s. The names were all changed. Um, It's said in the movie that the kids' parents died in a car accident. So I I don't know if they were adopted by this torturous family. Um, And Ruth, who's the Gertrude character, only has three sons in the movie. Right. And nobody really, no, none of the kids really tried to stop um, the torture in real life, which is really fucking unfortunate. But in the movie, this David character tries to stop everything that had happened. Um, there's a couple other really fucked up things that happen with the torture that I'm not going to say. Uh, it is arguably worse than the things we had mentioned. So if you don't like hearing about what torture she went through, don't, don't. I would highly, highly, highly recommend not 
watching the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's very rough. Right. Yeah. So the other one that I actually did watch is called An American Crime. My girl Ellen Page. Yeah, Ellen Page plays Sylvia Likens, and Catherine Keener plays Gertrude. Yeah, and we know Catherine Keener from Get Out. Yeah. Her little fucking teacup. She's so good at playing fucked up people. Yes, fucked up moms. Yes. Yeah, she was really good. It actually got a Rotten Tomato score of 29. Huh. But an audience score of 75. Oh, see, then there you go. So critics people hated it, but people I mean, actually liked speak. it. Um, the Hollywood uh, journalist from The Hollywood Reporter, Kirk Honeycutt, he said of the uh. film, it's a tragic tale of child abuse and it fails to make any sense of the crime. And John Leonard of the New York Maz- Magazine slash Vulture said in his review, an American crime... Uh, wonderfully mounted, wholly absorbing, is also full of blank uneasiness. Which, it is. Yeah. There's actually a lot of famous people in this movie. Um, James Franco. Oh! Pineapple Express, The Disaster Artist, 127 Hours, Freaks and Geeks. He plays Andy Gordon, which I think is one of the neighborhood kids. Probably. Evan Peters of Aww. American Horror Story, Kick-Ass. He was baby Also, when I was looking up credits for Evan Peters, he was in Phil of the Future. Yeah, you didn't know that? I fucking forgot. Yeah, he was the weird kid. I know. Yes. I fucking forgot. Okay. Oh, I hadn't. On. I haven't seen Phil the Future in a long time. Fun fact: Ricky Ullman grew up a couple towns over from me. The, no, like fucking Phil. This is Evan of Peters. I know. I'm saying Phil of the oh, Future. Actual Phil up, of the Future. Yes. Now he goes by Raviv, which is his birth name. Oh, I remember that. But and he lives in Brooklyn, but his family still lives in Fairfield. Oh shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he. Evan Peters plays Ricky Hobbs. Oh. Yeah, which if you look at pictures of Ricky Hobbs, you're like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. No, I I know, yeah. And um, Ari Grainer, who was yeah. in Mystic River, Nick Nora's Infinite Playlist, and m- the movie that I recognize her from, What's Your Number? Yeah. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say, um, what is it, the For a Good Time Call. Oh, she was the, in that. She was in that yeah, with yeah, yeah. Seth Rogen's wife. I can't remember her name. Lauren something, I believe. Yeah. And they play, they operate a sex line yes They're roommates that yes, can't yes, yes. afford their rent yep but i recognize her from what's your number which is a uh weird rom-com i was gonna say not great with Anna but Ferris. it does its job yeah and chris evans no yeah cr- no yeah. Yeah, yeah chris evans that was that was the chris that was in it <laughs> chris pratt which was also chris in it? is it there's too many chris chris pratt guys. was also in it chris pratt was in it yeah oh I didn't he played that. the the ex-boyfriend that she the, just kept running into i was kind of like one and done with that movie really i i had a weird thing my friend taylor and i had like a weird thing with that movie because um we saw it on like a free movie tuesday oh yeah just because we had just because it was free yeah. yeah and then we ended up seeing it we ended i think up, that's really the only reason that we ended up really really liking it for some weird reason because it was free yeah um you're endeared well to anyway it it's free. uh ari grainer plays paula beneshevsky Oh. Yeah. So she plays a fucked Come up person. On, no, she's a nice girl. Yeah. She doesn't play Paula. Yeah, she does. And so um, it was actually this case was actually featured in um, a TV show called Deadly Women. It was season three, episode 11, called Born Bad. And I think oh. you can see it on YouTube if you look it up. Because I, I watched a little bit of it and I think that's where I got it from. Right. Um, there's actually a couple books written about the case and also um inspired by the case like the girl next door by jack ketchum it's um it was like loosely taken from the case and like a, like i had said before with a much darker twist um 
Many people like the interpretation that he takes on the character that's based on Gertrude. I have not read it yet. Yeah, Thinking about sounds... maybe... I would I would rather read the book than see the movie. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. I was going to say it sounds like a better alternative. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also a book called The Basement, Meditations on Human Sacrifice by Kate Millant. And that book received mixed reviews. Many people like its inform- informative section, but Kate attempts to put herself in Gertrude and Sylvia's head for a feminist perspective on the crime. Kate also did an art display on the crime, which... I have not seen. I will yeah. try to find pictures of. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones that I'll talk about is a book called The Indiana Torture Slayings, Sylvia Likens Torture and Death. It was also called House of Evil, The Indiana Torture Slayings, and that's by John Dean, who also went by Natty Bumpo. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, there were three wow. different editions of this book, and he seems to have a lot of sympathy for Sylvia but he kind of jumped the shark in an article about the case. Many people are offended by the way that he speaks about Sylvia and shows so much sympathy for Ricky Hobbs. Oh. Yeah, kind of oh, weird. No. no, no, no. No sympathy. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he changed his name to John Dean um, because it, he was, it was so common that he was getting mixed up with other people. Um, he was getting mixed up with somebody who was disbarred. Oh. So that's why he changed his name. Oh. Yeah. Welp. Yeah, so I'm going to put links to all the rest of the books that you can read about it on the website and on the Goodreads link that you'll find on the website. And if you go to crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com, then you will see all of those links, including the links to our social media. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can email us. The link for the email is there, but if you want to email us directly, it is crimeculturepod at gmail.com. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that's like a fucked up one. Yeah, that one was um, a bit of a that was a downer. Yeah, it's a rough one, but it did inspire like some pop culture stuff, and um, it led to that cool thing where they they kind of take the public's perspective in paroling people. Yeah. So I thought it was at least an interesting one to to mention. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think it's one that also many people kind of like once they get into it they're like oh yeah i've heard this but it's not one that's very often yeah it's not it's not a hugely well-known one right yeah but once but it should be yeah because this poor little girl went through so so much much, and she was such a cute little sweetie and you know and it was only it was only in like 1965 guys it wasn't that it wasn't that yeah it wasn't that long ago and my mom was 10 yeah my mom will kill me for saying she was 10 but she was 10 (laughs) Yeah, but um, I hope it's not too much of a downer. Yeah, and I mean, and if it is, then like, subscribe anyway yeah. and have some cake. And next week be will be next week will be more of an upper. Next week we'll have a, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun one. It'll be good. We promise. We promise. Yes. Oh, so come back that, next Tuesday. Yay! For a new one. All right. All right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Our bad. Well, yeah. no, Haley's bad. Haley picked this one. But. Ugh, I know. I'd seen the movie. I actually saw that movie way I think I saw it a long, 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 long time ago. Yeah, when it was on, like, HBO. It came out in 2007. I probably saw it in, like, 2008. Yeah. So I was... Because I've seen, like, screen grabs, and I'm like, I vaguely remember this. Honestly, I probably blocked it out. Yeah, I was, like, 15, 16 when I saw it. So, oof. Oof. So I was her age. That makes it worse. Yeah. That does make it worse. I think I saw it because of Ellen Page, though. Yeah, no. Because I really liked Ellen Page. She's fantastic in that movie. She's fantastic in general. The way way they do 
her hair and the styling of it, she does kind of look like oh, Sylvia. Oh, yeah. No, she does. I can see similarities in them. Uh, we'll put, um, like, I have, like, some gifts and stuff that I, from the movie some excuse- that'll stick up there. Some what? Gifts. I beg your pardon? We're going to stop before we get into this fight. I want a divorce. Okay, good. Goodbye. See you next Tuesday. Yeah, you are. Gif. What the? No. 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 Who the hell says gif? Bye now. Bye.